You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, I'm joined by my host, Brendan Kleen, both right for Bright Side of the Sun. We're joining you the day after the Suns lost by nearly 50 points and ended up losing by 48 points to the to the San Antonio Spurs without Devin Booker, without Tyson Chandler. So it was on national TV. I know you guys probably don't want to talk about that. So I think we're going to move on really quick, I, unless you want to have any final thoughts, Brennan, about that game. Like we've noticed over the last couple of weeks, the Suns have been getting, getting blown out almost every single game. Six of the last seven games now, they've tripped by 20 or more. And I believe three times in the last – three times in at least 2018, they've tripped by at least 35 points or more. So it just seems like a downward spiral of the season is continuing for the Suns. Yeah, they went ahead and got that 20-point deficit away at like the seven-minute mark of the first quarter. So I think we can go ahead and get that out of the way as well. The game as a whole move past it. Yeah, let's just – kick that one into orbit and let's forget that ever happened like the Portland one. So we're going to move on real quick to the trade deadline. And wow, McDonough pulled off a buzzer beater here with about five minutes to go before the one o'clock Arizona time trade deadline. Ryan McDonough pulled out of his hat. He acquired Orlando point guard Alfred Payton for just the, the second round pick they acquired from Memphis alongside Troy Daniels. So if you think about in a vacuum, they acquired not only Troy Daniels, but Alfred Payton for literally nothing. Yeah. What did they send back in that, that Daniels deal? So they sent back. They sent back. I think they sent back. Um, maybe just outside of cash, nothing. I think it was just cash. Yeah, I think it was cash. Um, so yeah, I mean they and they basically went out and got the. I mean, I think he was the best point guard move today in my mind. The Emmanuel Moutier went to the New York Knicks. Jameer Nelson. Well, I guess George Hill, but the Detroit Pistons. So as far as like backup point guards. Uh, second tier point guards go I think he was the best one move today and the Suns were able to get him for just a, a second that they didn't even have going into the going into training camp anyway so yeah it's a I mean if you think about it that way like I think Scott Bordeaux was the one who tweeted basically just a why not move you know what I mean they need the depth anyway they would be on the market for a point guard Josh Gray is not somebody who's going to play 42 minutes for you every night um and Booker both injured that I guess was the big the big thing last night that maybe actually impacted some of this is Tyler Ulis went down with back pain and so you know they got a they got another point guard and that's really kind of the most simple way to think about it in my mind yeah I made up a list right before we're on the air and I was thinking about this way they've now had eight point guards in 57 games and I'll go on the list real quick if you include Josh Jackson. That's Eric Bledsoe, Mike James, Tyler Ewis, Devin Booker, Isaiah Cannon, Josh Gray, Josh Jackson, and now Alfred Payton in that amount of time. So I feel like that kind of just symbolizes the season that the Suns have been on so far. They're tied for the worst record in the NBA. And then really a guy like like Alfred Payton, like I mentioned in my story that I wrote up real quick on Brett's side of the Sun, this is the perfect roll the dice for a guy like Alfred Payton, right? Yeah, I mean, and you're going to have the uh... – restricted free agency right he is he he did get his um option declined by the magic if i remember correctly and so um he'll be or no his option wasn't declined but they've just made it clear sizonia whose option was they just have been shopping peyton and kind of made it clear that they weren't going to try to resign him so you get that option with him now and you will be agent this summer um you'll be able to match any rights um You'll have the matching rights to any deal that he could potentially sign, and we've seen this is now the third uh, point card, I guess, that Ryan McDonough has done this with. The prior 
Knight and Bledsoe obviously had a similar situation. And um, so, yeah, I think it's a win-win in, in, from that angle too. Yeah, from you can say from that way. And I know Boston was trying to shop a, another restricted free agent point guard, Marcus Smart, and I guess they wanted a first-round pick, so that's probably why it didn't happen there. But a guy like Payton, like you said, compared to their point guards in the market, just what stands out to him? Because I know outside of George Hill, I think really he's a consensus top three guy that got moved today. So what's your thoughts on Payton's overall game this year? Because I know he's taken at least some strides forward in this year at Orlando. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I watched the Magic a whole ton, but um, just when I have seen him, I mean, throughout his career, the shooting percentages, I think, are the big thing that people have been talking about as far as improvements this year go. Um, he doesn't shoot it in the anymore, which is a reason that he's up to 37% on the year. That's not really indicative of the kind of player he is like that in, in, that, in that situation, but um, he is up to 52% from the field. Uh, if I remember correctly. And so, um, you know, just kind of playing within himself, I think more not, you know, trying to overextend and shoot those threes that he's not comfortable with. And he, I mean, he's a great finisher for a point guard, has some size and quickness advantages over a lot of point guards. And I mean, he's going to look a ton better than any, any option the Suns have had. I mean, he'll probably look all, all things considered better than Booker, since become the starter for the past, you know, two three weeks, I, he hasn't really looked nearly as good, except for that Houston game, starting point guard as he did when it was just a, a sometimes thing. And so, uh, I think he's just going to bring a ton of stability, just being able to have those skills of scoring and passing that you really just need from a point, from a point guard on, on the team, on any team. They're just they just haven't had a guy like that, and being able to do that stuff, I think, is just a step up in a big way. It's crazy to say, but the the Suns have almost went four months without a, a starting quality point guard on their roster, but it seems like they have that guy now with Alfred Payton. I mentioned this off the air before we went on, but how good do you think Alfred Payton could look next to a guy like Devin Booker? Because that slides Booker back, like you said, there's a natural spot shooting guard, which would help him and ease the burn off him as far as energy conser- conservation goes. But a guy like Payton has never played next to a guard like Booker before, so do you think that could open up? I know it's a far-fetched scenario with Alfred not being that good of a scorer or shooter, but... Do you think there's any sort of possibilities that he could not break out, but at least improve next to a guy like Booker? I mean, I think definitely. I think that's probably a big part of the reason that McDonough would take a risk on somebody like that because, you know, one thing to consider, too, is like we're talking about it's a very low-risk move, and I think that's obviously true when you're trading a second-round pick that you just acquired a few months ago, and I mean, that's about all that they had to sacrifice here because they're not taking playing time from anyone else. And so... In all those ways, it is low risk, but you no, know, McDonough is probably aware that <clears throat> you know he did it. He did. I mean, this this deal's leading ESPN's um, top headlines right now. I mean, partially because it's the most recent deal, but also um, noteworthy with a, a former pick going to a new team. And McDonough has to be aware that you know fans are going to be really excited about acquiring a guy they know the name of, somebody that. Um, you know, does have talent and a, a reputation and, and is such a step up from the rest of the roster as far as point guards go. So um, he has to be aware that that's a, a thing that, that fans are going to want to see is big playing time for Peyton and maybe they'll want to keep him or whatever. But um, I do think that if he wasn't prepared to give him a hard look and and invest time into making 
making sure that, that Peyton looks as good as he can next that they probably wouldn't have done the deal. Skill-wise, I definitely think it's a pretty solid fit, mostly because Peyton can defend point guards, and no one else on the roster all season has been able to do that. I might be mistaken because I don't have the exact height and measurements next to me, but is Peyton 6'5 or 6'6? Six, six? I feel like he has to be close to a 7-foot wingspan. I think in Bordeaux's write-up, it's at 6'4, so that's okay. probably what he's officially listed as. But yeah, I mean, it's just some extra height, and he's just a bigger guy. You know, and He has that length that you, you want to see from kind of modern point guards, in my opinion. Definitely. I mean, at points last night, we were seeing the Spurs just throw it over the top on Tyree Lewis in the post multiple times, and I think at this point, if you want to touch on Lewis a little bit, this kind of shows just how how he's sort of gone down on a spiral as well over the season. He hasn't really recovered since Alan Williams went out with an injury. He should be back in March. But just what's your thoughts on, on Ulyss and how this should affect him? Because now he's going to be cemented as the second unit point guard, I imagine. But he's a guy that really continues to still struggle night in, night out. Yeah, he uh, he's his stock has probably fallen just as much as anyone's on this team, probably more than anyone's because – you know, there are already questions of, of what he could do considering his height and um, lack of like a real dominant offensive weapon, really, except for his passing. He doesn't really have a fallback scoring because he's unable to finish and hasn't really been a great shooter in the NBA. So, you know, there were big questions, and um, he's done nothing really this season to answer those. And I think that, you know, it would surprise me if he is a player at a certain point, you have to start wondering, this is his second season and he's, he's been one of the worst players that I've watched consistently this year. And so um, it's disappointing because obviously injuries and in the Bledsoe situation played a part. He's hasn't really had a clear role all year. It's been a really back and forth. Time. And then uh, it, you'd hate, you hate when a guy loses an opportunity just because he gets hurt, but you know, he wasn't doing a whole ton to earn it in the first place. So, you know, if Peyton's going to be a step up, and I think that's pretty clear. With the restricted free agent market, we've seen multiple stories go on the past week or so, probably leaked out from agents and GMs and such. We saw with Kevin O'Connor, the ringer, and we saw on ESPN with, I believe, Jonathan Gavoni, or Woj, I believe, one of those two guys. As far as the cast base goes for free agency this summer, and it's really constricted up, a lot of teams are being a lot more safe, and they're going to be conserving those those assets and that money moving forward for the summer and the draft. But the Suns are one of six or seven teams that are going to have at least cap space, and that puts them in a really good flexible flexible position for to acquire a guy like Alfred Payne if they want to keep his restricted rights. So maybe Alfred Payne doesn't make sense long-term as a starting point guard, but I think he could be a really good second-unit point guard long-term if they are able to keep his rights. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that... the So to, I guess to add some context is... Um, Lou Williams was previously on the trade market, got an extension yesterday from the Clippers for three years and $24 million. Um, you know, veteran, he's not really on the same age curve as, as Peyton at all. Not really the kind of player the Suns would be targeting, but as far as <clears throat> a really talented all-star caliber, um, that kind of, you know, set the market in a different way than we had seen pre- previously. And so I think indicating that this summer the contracts are going to be much lower and um, especially to have the restricted matching rights. If teams are already hesitant to spend money, you wonder if they might be even more hesitant um, with a restricted guy who they might not even be able to get. And uh, and with restricted free agents, that makes them also difficult to deal with sometimes is if you are a team with cap space over the summer, um, the opposing team, the incumbent team that the Suns would be in position as, 
uh, with Peyton has three days to match, and so you're holding up your cap room. So with so few teams able to go um, use caps to sign a player like Peyton, and then having to wait that those three days and, and watching their, their very few options fade away, there might be even more of a for a team like Phoenix with some of these uh, Peyton type guys. I mean, it's obvious, or it's not really obvious to say right now since we're so far away from the draft still, but with the Suns being the point guard situation they have, by far the worst in the league right now, but if they could keep Peyton somehow, like you said, on a restricted one-year type of deal, if the market corrects how it's supposed to this summer, keep him as the backup point guard, maybe Ulysses as the third point guard, and then maybe Brandon Knight as a starter, or if you take Ulysses or Peyton off and maybe add a draft pick like Trey Young or Luka Doncic, could that suddenly become a strength on this roster, do you believe, if they could keep a guy like Peyton around and maybe add a pick and maybe have Peyton as that buffer between that transition period? Yeah, I want to see a lot more from Peyton because I do think, like I said before, this is a bigger I mean, he played with the Girl Depot early in his career, but that was Oladipo's first team. Now he's on his third and is a much, much different player. Um, it didn't work for them, but I think Booker is a much better shooter and a very different type of player than, than that version of Oladipo was. So um, I just want to see within this context what he can look like. I think Orlando's roster has just been so awful and, and full of so many parts that don't really fit together that coming to a situation like the Suns where there's a little better chemistry, a little bit more cohesion on the roster, you might be able to look a little better. But until then, I, I feel like I can really say for sure, or just say I don't think this changes the way that they operate in the draft or free agency um, unless he goes out in like a really, really major way. I don't think it changes their plan at all. For sure, I definitely agree with you there because he's the perfect, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, the rule of the dice, so to say. You acquire Daniels and and, and Alfred Payton for literally almost nothing, so it makes a lot of sense to just roll the dice here and get a guy that's 23 years old. And he doesn't turn 23, I believe, until the end of February, so it makes a lot of sense to do some sort of move like this and try to some really stabilize the point guard position. It really hasn't been at all so far this season, as we've mentioned a lot so far on this episode, but... As far as the Peyton trade goes, Brendan, is there any final thoughts from you as far as this trade goes? Because for me, I feel like it was a move that needs to be made if the Suns wanted to at least stay competitive in games. Because I feel like with the way they were, tr- they were trending towards, it was going to be consistent, consistent 20 to 25-point losses. You know, to be honest with you, I think um, it's, it's, in, it's a good – I don't know how to put this, but I guess I'm just – I'm happy with – Ryan McDonough's ability to um, teeter on the edge of like full, you know, process type tanking without ever actually veering that far into it. Um, he's been really successful with some of the decisions that he's made. Um, you know, trying to keep guys like Tyson Chandler and Eric Blood so happy, obviously, uh, ultimately failed with Bledsoe, but I think has mostly done a, a good job this year and um, with with. Chandler and Dudley, keeping those guys attentive, making maximizing the ways that they can help a young team. Um, and then this move is a different kind of example where I do think, um, you know, one of the ways that Philadelphia was able to just become god-awful and lose so many games to end up with players like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons is they just decided not to have a point guard um, for several seasons, um, up until last year, really. And... 
know that that really helps a team be bad because you don't have that that veteran or, or even really any sort of decision maker. You're just giving the ball to young players and asking them to make decisions they're not ready to make on the court. And you know we were starting to to veer in that direction the past month or so with the Suns team. Um, and I think you know the decision getting a player to fill that role to me just shows that you know, he understands the more nuanced mechanics of like trying to keep the team together as a team and make and, and get the biggest developments from the young players rather than just games for the sake of losing games and, and relying more on individual developments. I think we're going to see this team look a lot better than it has over the next couple of weeks as Peyton gets acclimated. Yeah, I actually agree with you there as well. I think Peyton is just miles ahead of where Tyre Ulis is right now, and he's going to make a big difference. As we saw last night, Ulis really is an NBA point guard at his current state, so I think going after Peyton makes a lot of sense, at least for this season. Maybe if they're able to keep him on his restricted rights moving forward, it makes a lot of sense long-term as a backup point guard. But to that point with Elford, I feel like a really underrated point with this trade is his hair. I want to just touch on that a little bit. How is he? Yeah, I mean, now we have Jackson and Peyton. Like, we're competing low-key for the best hair in the league. The question is, though, how how distracted are you going to be with Elford and his hair on the floor? Because I, I know I'm going to be mumbling to myself every time he goes up and hits his hair on the way up on a free throw. Yeah, there was that clip earlier in the season that he airballed, like, a floater in the lane after getting wide-open look, and it was just because in slow motion you go back and look and his hair was just co- completely covering his eyes. I don't know if I'm going to be distracted watching him play, but I'm going to definitely be distracted going to practice or in the locker room and trying to look him in the eye and just not acknowledging the massive thing on top of his head. Yeah, I mean, looking at a picture of it, I don't know how to really describe it. So I kind of just want to ask him about it when he gets here. So that might be an interesting bright side of the sun story about Alfred's hair. But any final thoughts about today's trade? Because it seems like, as we noted at the very beginning of the podcast, really McDonough pulled off a buzzer beer about five minutes before the deadline ended. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably need some time. I'm sure that there's some stuff to take away as far as, like, moves on the margins. We didn't see a ton of deals where um, teams with bad contracts gave up a lot to get off of them. That was kind of the talk of, like you were talking about earlier, the the market correction for some of the awful contracts that were signed in 2016. Um, Teams giving up picks. Uh, The Pelicans did it with Omeroshik and then Nicole Miritich trade a little but nothing really happened like that today. So um, looking at that from the Suns' point of view, they were a team that might do that or could have done it in the summer. So I, I think that's the biggest thing to watch from their perspective is um, the way that you know assets are being attached to bad value contracts. And today that didn't really happen, and we'll kind of see where it goes into the summer. But the Suns should still be looking into those types of deals they're uh, one of the only guy only teams left that can be in those sorts of situations yeah one final point mentioned on the sun's flexibility there going into the summer now i feel like that's what just doing this alfred Payton move i feel like the suns are not positioning themselves to make a big move in june or july i imagine with all those picks they're gonna have i think about six maybe five now with moving Payton. but all those picks like mcdonald mentioned on arizona sports yesterday they're not going to have more than two or three guys on the roster that are young guys so there's going to be more moves coming so I mean, it's hard to obviously forecast what's going to happen that far out, but how do you think it's going to go this summer? Because I feel like we touched on it a little bit on the podcast a lot over the last month or so, but it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out for the Suns. I feel like it's going to be really important to see how these assets are laid out. 
Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, you you know, as you alluded to earlier in the show, like perhaps there is a chance that you know if Peyton does look okay, maybe you you go. You, I mean, you have to sign him to a new contract, and that often complicates things. Who knows what he'll earn or what other teams will, will offer him. But, um, you know, if he does look okay or, you know, you find some sort of situation that works with him and Booker, maybe you do go one more season without a point guard if the lottery doesn't fall your way and, and you aren't able to, to land one of those top prospects or they like a different guy better and don't go that way. Um, that's, that's another option that obviously wasn't really possible. Um, before today with how bad the point question has looked. Um, but as far as the picks, yeah, they, they're going to have now only three second-rounders, their own included, and then obviously could have as many as three first-rounders, um, depending on the Milwaukee pick. They'll definitely have their own in the Heat pick. Um, so, yeah, they're not going to have five rookies next year. We saw last night how awful it can look when the team plays that many guys, and I think we're past the point of doing that that this roster is uh, is far gone to, to keep like choosing to play that that, that kind of a lineup on the same at the same time. So um, I guess we'll see what happens. They use one to get Peyton. I think will be the next time they move those picks. Much bigger deal. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the moves are now distancing themselves. It's lining up towards McDonough making his move this summer. I imagine so. It'll be interesting to see, hear McDonough's thoughts on this trade, I imagine, later this week at Talking Stick. And Brennan and I will be there to have coverage for that. But until then, guys, we'll talk to you later. And hopefully the Suns improve from not only the Northern Arizona Suns, but hopefully they resemble more of a Phoenix Suns roster here soon after the fifty point near 50-point loss last night against San Antonio. But until then, guys, we'll discuss more of the Alpha Payton trade on another episode. But we'll talk to you later.